Welcome in all my Trekking True Crime fans. I am so thrilled that you decided to join us. I am your host, Angela Baum. I am a full-time truck driver with a real passion for true crime. So I decided to put my two loves together, truck driving and true crime, to create this podcast. Before we get on with today's case, if you could please give us a five-star rating wherever you're currently listening to our podcast at. Also, please be sure to look up Trucking True Crime Podcast and give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Today, we're going to be sharing the story of a DNA that was submitted to a genealogy site that was used to nab a serial killer. With all the genealogy and DNA sites that are available now, this is really becoming a great tool and a great way to help police officers solve so many cold cases. This is what happened in Spring Hill, Tennessee, when a patrolman named Ty Hadley saw an interesting book on the desk of one of his co-workers. The book was titled In the Name of the Children, and it was written by retired FBI Special Agent Jeffrey L. Rennick. Now, this book that was on the desk was on the desk of his co-worker, whose name was Melissa Wilson. Little did the two of these police officers know that the combination of this book and their curiosity in solving cold cases would lead to solving three unsolved murders. Now, Patrolman Hadley was not your traditional true crime buff. As a matter of fact, he said that he really was never a fan of true crime at all. However, the book really intrigued him, and he began talking to his co-worker, Melissa, about how cool it would be if the two of them were able to solve an unsolved murder. That is when Melissa chimed in and said that in the current county that they lived in, that they had a cold case that had never been solved, that maybe he might be interested in helping her solve. The duo had no clue that when they decided to go down this path, of this cold case mystery, that they would be finding themselves a serial killer. That with their curious minds and determination, that it would help solve the three unsolved murders that took place nearly 30 years ago and reached over three different states. The cold case that was in their county was of a homeless woman named Pamela Aldridge McCall. Now at the time of her murder, Pamela was only 33 years old. Sadly, Pamela was also pregnant with her unborn child. It was one of their state's saddest unsolved cases that they had, and it had plagued so many officers in the past and present who were unable to solve this cold case. Pamela, or Pammy, as her friends and family often called her, had been known as a very fun-loving, free-spirit type of hippie person. A type of person who back in those days would have been referred to or known as a peace-loving hippie. She was loving and kind to everyone that she came across. She was also known to travel a lot by hitchhiking, which back in the 1990s was a common way of getting around, and most people felt pretty safe just hitching a ride to get to and fro. Now, Pammy was known to travel a lot through Virginia, South Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee. She also usually rode in semi-truck with truck drivers. On March 10, 1991, a passing motorist happened to notice the dead body of a woman on the side of a hill 
located on Saturn Parkway in Spring Hill, Tennessee. A short time later, when police got there and began their investigation, they felt that her body was literally just thrown down the hill like a piece of trash. The theory that they came up was, was that her body was found, was that they felt that she had literally just been slung over someone's shoulders and then literally thrown down the hill, just discarded like a worthless piece of trash. That dead body, sadly, was later identified as that of Pamela Aldridge McCall. The coroner put her time of death somewhere between 12 to 24 hours before the motorist had discovered her discarded body. The coroner determined that Pamela had been strangled to death. She suffered from severe injuries to her neck from manual strangulation. They also were able to get a small DNA profile from inside the pantyhose that Pamela was wearing, and they wound up saving that for future comparison. Sadly, it took the police department almost a month just to be able to identify who this Jane Doe was. Initially, they began sending out her fingerprints to all the local and state police departments, praying that just maybe someone would give them a hit. Finally, about a month later, they got their positive identification on her, and they found out that the day before her body was discovered, several witnesses had seen her at a local Tennessee truck stop. This was a popular truck stop that Pammy was known to frequent a lot. And witnesses said that she was there talking to some of her frequent truckers that would pass through the Tennessee website. While police did have a few suspects in mind at the beginning of this case, sadly, none of them panned out. Welcome, my true crime roadies. I'm your host, Angela Baum, along with my husband, Larry, and this is Trucking True Crime Podcast, a true crime show where we focus on true crime stories that happen within the trucking industry. But don't worry, you don't need to know anything about the trucking industry to listen and enjoy the show. You just need to be a fan of true crime. And if that's you, then welcome inside. As a reminder, if you'd like to learn more about our life over the road as team truck drivers, you can listen to our other podcast, Married to the Road, where we share our lives over the road and stories along the way with our three furry dogs. As a reminder, our podcast discusses true crimes and murders. This is not a show for the faint of heart, and this is not intended for young audiences. Have you ever been interested about what all it takes to be a truck driver out here, delivering the goods all across America? Or more importantly, what is it like being a team trucker out here with your significant other 24 hours a day in a small confined space, working together, eating together, sleeping together, you name it. If you've ever been curious about the trucking industry, please listen to Larry and I's other podcast, Married to the Road. Again, that's married, the number two, the road. Please be sure to give it a listen today and don't forget to hit that follow button. After not having any luck finding a suspect in Pammy's murder, they wound up sending the small DNA sample that they did have 
to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations in 1991. The DNA back in the early 1990s was still in its infancy, and back then, in order for them to nail a suspect, you had to replicate the DNA several times. Now, since they had just a very small sample of DNA to work with, the Tennessee Bureau decided that they would wait until DNA technology had a chance to evolve just a little bit further before they did any more testing on the very small sample that they had for them. Now, the case grew cold. That was until the March of 2020, when the cold case unit submitted her DNA sample again that they had some online genealogy websites. Their hope was that they would be able to use the genealogy websites and possibly find some type of familiar family DNA match. So in April, the DNA sample did come up with a familial DNA match to a family member of the suspect. After doing a lot of research, the cold case unit was finally able to possibly identify the person that they felt might have been responsible for killing Pammy. Now they came up with the difficult task of having to gain a fresh DNA sample so that they would be able to form some type of comparison. The person that they had in mind that they felt might be the subject was a gentleman named Clark Perry Baldwin, who at that time was 58 years of age. Now, during the time of the murder of Pammy back in the 1990s, Clark had been a long-haul truck driver who drove cross-country all through the United States. The signs that they had all seemed to point towards Clark being the possible killer. But the police knew that in order to solve this case, they were going to need a lot more than just a simple hunch. They needed to get a fresh DNA sample that they could then send off to the Tennessee Bureau and use it to compare with the DNA sample that they had on file from Pammy's case. The police began to surveil Clark and watch his every move. They were trying to see if there was some way that they could get a DNA sample from him. Eventually, one day, they followed him into a Walmart where he was there doing his nightly grocery shopping. And one night, right after he got done shopping at Walmart and he had put his shopping cart away, the police wound up confiscating the shopping cart where they were able to use it to grab his fingerprints and DNA off of the shopping cart. But the police wanted to make sure that they had enough DNA to use for comparison. So they also wound up staking out his house so that they could confiscate his trash from his street after he had disposed of it. I'm not sure if you guys know, and I'm sure most of you do know, but once you discard your trash and you put it out on the street for your trash man to come and get, that trash is up for grabs. In other words, police have used this so many times that once you put that trash up on the street, then they can go confiscate it and use it to get DNA samples. And that is how so many cold cases are solved. It's when police go and confiscate people's trash. So they wound up taking some DNA samples from his discarded trash that he had left on the street. With all the fresh new evidence from the fingerprint that they got off the shopping cart, the DNA they got off the shopping cart, and now the DNA from his discarded trash, they wound up submitting all of this information into the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. Now all they had to do was sit back and wait for the results 
to see if the man that they suspected could have been the killer for a Pammy. So who was this long-haul truck driver whose name was Clark Perry Baldwin? Depending on who you ask, some people called him a gentle giant who would do anything for his friends. He was known to be very generous and giving. Other people said that he was a, violent, a very violent man who had a horrible temper and a very short fuse. Now, a good friend of Clark's, her name was Edward Tuddleston. She said that at the time that she knew Clark, he was working as a taxi cab driver. She had fallen on really hard times after losing a job, and Clark had offered to allow her and her boyfriend and her one-year-old child to live at his place rent-free while they had an opportunity to get back on their feet. Now, she said that he would work all day as a taxi driver, and then at night he would come home and bring them pizza or cook them dinner on a nightly basis. That this was nothing, that he was nothing but kind to them during the three months that they lived with them. Now, Jamie Jones, who also knew Clark, said that he was an awful man who would beat her and her siblings often when they were very young children. See, Jamie recalled that Clark had dated her mother when her and her siblings were very young. She said that Clark was often known to lose his temper over even the smallest things, and then he would unleash his anger on both her and her siblings. Clark grew up in Virginia and Springfield, Missouri. Not a lot is known too much about his childhood, but what we do know is that after graduating high school, he went on to become a long-haul truck driver and kept that job for over 20 years working for various trucking companies. And during that time, he was traveling cross-country throughout the United States. It is also during this time that the police suspect is when he was the one that came across and killed Pammy. Now, in 1991, Clark Baldwin was arrested and charged with raping a female hitchhiker while he was driving through Texas. The woman who was a hitchhiker told police that Clark had assaulted her at gunpoint. She said that he had also hit her over the head with something hard and then raped her through with gunpoint. He also bound and strangled her. Clark, after he was arrested, did admit to assaulting the hitchhiker, but ultimately he was released when the hitchhiker refused to show up in court as a witness to the crime. The charges were completely dropped and he was released. Clark was arrested again in 1997. This was after the Secret Service had been surveilling him for over six months and served a search warrant on Clark when he was living in Springfield, Missouri in an apartment. When they served the warrant on him, they found that Clark, along with two young female accomplices, were making counterfeit U.S. currency using Clark's computer. Clark was found guilty on these charges and was sentenced to 18 months and served his time between 1997 and 1999. Now, about a week after submitting all their DNA evidence that they had gathered on Clark Baldwin to the Tennessee Bureau, the results came in. Not only was Clark the one who had murdered Pammy like the police had thought, but his DNA was soon linked to two other murders of two unidentified women who were murdered back in 1992 in Wyoming. 
and both women were found about 400 miles from each other. The first female was discovered in March of 1992. She was located at the Bitter Creek Turnout off of Highway 80 in southwest Wyoming. A female truck driver had pulled off on the shoulder of the road when she found the nude body of this unidentified woman laying on a snowbank. The coroner's office, after performing an autopsy, determined that the body of the nude woman had likely been there for several weeks. The woman had been raped and she suffered severe head trauma and then ultimately died due to strangulation. The second female who was found about 400 miles from the first female was found in Sheridan, Wyoming, also in March of 1992. This time, it was a Wyoming Department of Transportation worker who was cleaning the side of a shoulder when he came across the mummified nude body of a female who was located off of Highway 90. An autopsy was performed, but he could not determine the cause of death. However, they did say that she did have marks on her throat that was consistent with strangulation. And just like in the case of Pammy, this Jane Doe also was pregnant as well. After realizing that they were dealing with a serial killer, police headed to Waterloo, Iowa, where they arrested Clark without any incident in his apartment. Once arrested, he was charged in the murder of all three women. Now, the Iowa State Police also believe that Clark is responsible for a fourth murder for a woman named Rhonda Cunston. She was also found dead. She was found dead at her job at a Phillips 66 gas station. A co-worker that was working with Rhonda that night said that right before he had left, two truck drivers had showed up at the gas station to get some beer and snacks, and he noticed them as he was leaving. And they suspect that Rhonda was killed a short time after the co-worker had left to go home. When the co-worker had submitted a description of what the two truck drivers looked like that he had seen, one of the descriptions matched that of Clark Perry Baldwin. Police have interviewed Clark Perry Baldwin in regards to the murder of Rhonda, but up to this point, he has denied having to do anything with this murder, and they have not yet been able to link him through DNA evidence. Due to COVID and all the delays that have currently happened in the court system, Clark has yet to go to trial on these three murder charges as of yet. He is still currently in jail in Iowa. As soon as I get an update on this case, we will be sure to let you know here at Trekking True Crime Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please be sure to like, share, and follow. And be sure wherever you're listening to our podcast app that you give us a five-star rating. And be sure that you subscribe so that you know every time we put out a new episode of Trekking True Crime Podcast. And as always, be safe out there, my roadies. Thank you so much, my true crime roadies, for giving our podcast a listen. We really appreciate you listening to our Trekking True Crime Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to visit our Instagram page, or our TikTok page, also Trekking True Crime Podcast. And don't forget that you can visit our Facebook page as well. Again, Trekking True Crime Podcast. 
Be sure to like, share, and follow, and be sure to share out our podcast to all your friends. We'll be back here next week with another great episode. Thank you so much, my true crime roadies. Be safe out there.